Coming live from Houston, Texas, USA is our guest this morning. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through the industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Ross Short, CEO of Executive Apex, certified business coach, board advisor, speaker, author. Welcome to the show, Ross. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm honored to be here and uh, wish I could be in studio with you, but I guess this is the best we can do for today. <laughs> yes, yes. This is this is the new world. This is about tech and it is the studio, the new studio of the new world where we can converse at our own way, in our own ways and in our own time, space, pace. And that's what the good new good thing about tech is. And that is what we will be talking about to you, uh, Ross. You are an expert on this. You advise a lot of companies and that is where your insights will help. So my first question is not a question, but just to understand how should businesses look at technology in today's time in 2023? Because technology means a lot of stuff. And technology, I was just reading yesterday about earlier we talked we knew we thought about technology as you know so we knew about reality then came in virtual reality then came in augmented reality then i also came to know that there is something called mixed reality and now i have come to know that there is a mix of all these things it is called <laughs> extended reality so i get confused but right now we'll keep to the business part of it is that how can a technology be something that businesses can fall in love with and that it's not a dalliance and almost it's not a, at least a one night stand. Over to you. Right. Several things at the same time, several things at the same time, but you are an expert and so that you can answer them all at your own pace. Over no to problem. you. Thank you. Thank you again. Uh, yeah, I mean, like many of your audience, uh, I had my love hate relationship with uh, technology. Uh, and it took a while for me to fall in love with it, but eventually I did. Um, I think the key thing here is a lot of companies, <clears throat> you know, I've met a lot of CEOs. And one of the common things that I found is in their gut, they feel like they're not getting the most out of their technology. You know, they've invested a lot of money in, uh, you know, technology and their business and their people. And for some reason, it's just not giving the results that they want. But they really haven't had a good language to explain what it is they're feeling and be able to identify where the problem is and then solve it. Um, and so literally over the course of the pandemic, I kind of compiled a lot of my thinking around technology because I've worked with it for so long and realized, you know, there's some very basic principles um, that you have to follow in order to get technology right. And by my estimation, most companies are getting about 40 percent of the potential out of their technology. They're just not getting the speed, leverage and predictability that they're paying for. Um, and so I kind of came up with my own you know, approach to how to kind of you know, maximize and optimize your technology to get those returns. Uh, and so that's kind of what I'm, you know, what I talk about and what I work with with most companies uh, these days. And uh, I have a couple of publications coming out so I can share it more broadly and people can get those concepts and work on their own to solve their problems. Right. Right, Ross. You said only 40 percent is what they can take out of the technology that they use. That's a very small, small number. I thought companies who can afford to get the latest in technology, they can use it for their business optimization purpose. Why yeah. is it that they are not able to fully optimize 
technology for business optimization. Why is it so? So most of the time it's, you know, companies start with technology. Like you made a comment right at the beginning and it kind of echoes what, uh, you know, good to great said, what Jim Collins said in good to great. He said, how do those who build great companies think about technology? And you and I both just added the word today. How do those who build great companies think about technology today? Because it's very different. I mean, every time you start a company, you literally start with technology right from the beginning. And then you just layer technology over technology over technology as you grow And sometimes we don't revisit how we're using the original technologies we started with. Sometimes we don't layer them together properly. Uh, Sometimes we don't train our people right. So there's a lot of mistakes that companies make with technology and they just compound. You know, it's sort of like, you know, gears in a machine. You know, every gear intersects another gear and and there's efficiency losses there if they're not matched up perfectly well. Um, And even if there are, there's still some efficiency loss. But um, we see it a lot with technology. And most of the material that's out there right now goes very deep into like digital transformation and augmented reality and all these other high tech words. Uh, But the reality is the principles are very simple, you know, having the right strategic thinking about your technology, you know, uh, talking about it in your organization on a regular basis and then executing well with the technology that you have. Uh, Most companies don't do any, if all of those (laughs) not well. Um, and primarily, it's just not getting the most out of the technology because of the systems they have in place and, you know, that. Right, right, Ross. We keep on talking about automation. And a lot of things are on automation. But as an individual, when I deal with automation, it is the bots on the other side of the call that I make to any company that I deal with. Now, that is not what technology is all about, if I understand if big companies are not able to optimize it, then how can technology be adopted by smaller firms who do not have that bandwidth? How would you tell them, uh, Ross, as an advisor who advises so many startups, you have already Fortune 500 firms, you advise so many, you have already done that, all that, and you continue to do that. How would you tell people why technology is important for business because those who have adopted it are still not adapted to it fully because they have not optimized it fully. So yeah. how, how do you tell them to the lesser companies or smaller companies, even entrepreneurs, that technology is important for your business? How do you simplify for them? So if you think about the promise of technology, what prom- what technology promises to do for you is it promises to do things faster than a human, right? It promises to do more with less. So you can do one thing and have it multiplied over and over by technology very quickly and very rapidly. Um, You know, one email goes to a million people, you know, something like that. Um, Or one machine can build hundreds of products faster than a human. Uh, So you can talk about, you know, the, the leverage that you can get out of technology. And then the other one is predictability. It does it right consistently. If you build it right, if you're using the technology right, you, can, you know what's going to happen when you push a button or when you turn a dial um, or you write an email. You, you know what's going to happen with that technology. Now, sometimes it makes mistakes, but not nearly as frequently as humans do. So for smaller companies, you know, technology is a necessity in business, in all business. But if technology is done well, it's a competitive advantage. There's lots of research out there that shows that companies that use technology better, they're three times more likely to beat their competition, to lead the competition and to outperform them in the marketplace. You know, they're more likely to get double the return on assets than a company that doesn't use the technology well. 
So I think it's extremely imperative for smaller businesses to start right away with understanding the first principles for how to use their technology well and how to train their people to really leverage the technology. One of the biggest com- you know, common things you'll find is a company will get a technology, they'll onboard someone, a new employee or a new technology, and they'll give them a little bit of training at the beginning, and then they'll kind of leave it up to them to go into the knowledge base and learn the technology themselves, right? And most employees are going to do the bare minimum to get by and do their job. They're not going to maximize and optimize the use of the technology. Very few people will go that far. So companies have to be more mm, diligent about, you know, really training their personnel, really maximizing their use of the technology. You know, I do a little paper napkin calculation. If I go to a company and I say, how many people out of 10 people that use this technology, how many of them are a power user? And by power user, I mean, on a scale of one to 10, a one being they barely understand that it is, you know, that they have the technology and a 10 being not only can they use it in every aspect of it, but they could onboard other companies. They could sell this product. They're so good at the software, right? And if I say how many of your 10 users, average users are, are a power user, it's zero. They might have one person who's at a seven or an eight, but most of their employees are going to be average or below at using the technology because they use a very limited amount of it. Uh, and that right there is leaving a lot of you know, power on the table. Uh, versus if you have a really good power user that understands the technology and understands what it's capable of and understands your business, you're going to be able to optimize and maximize the leverage of that technology way beyond what, what other people are doing with it, you know, and that power user can train and upskill everyone else in your company. Um, so I think sometimes companies shortchange the training on their technologies um, and how they interface with each other and their workflows. Um, so there's kind of a lot of that that happens. Right, Ross. Right. Now, let's look at the technology. What When we talk of technology for businesses, what are we talking about? Are we talking about automation or is it something else that businesses can bring into that process and make not only their lives, but actually it is, you know, actually for the customer because... Oh. You love your product, then you will start loving the good technology. Absolutely. You call yourself the technomancer. I read it as techromancer. And when <laughs> oh, there is the right, that's good. <laughs> yes. When you have the right romance, it can lead to good real love. And yeah. when there is true love, it is happiness for everybody, and it is the good for everybody that's in the mind. And everything looks so beautiful. Right. I see technology in that way and it is capable of doing that. But, so two questions. One is technology about only about automation. Then it turns into control. And then it leads to creating walls between you and the customer and yeah. the lobbyist. How do you look at it? How does a common man understand that new technology is there to help them and not to create barriers used by some CEOs, some companies, some leadership to uh, to ring fence them for what, from what I don't know. Yeah. How do you look at it? How should I understand that technology is there for me, for the betterment, and even for businesses who who are humans who also know that you know technology can be used nicely. So <laughs> automation is is automation about technology, just about technology. Yeah. So if you think about it, everything is a process, 
but not always the right process. And technology is involved in almost every process of a company. So it's not just automation, although automation is a key component. But I think of technology in three kind of categories. One is hardware. Hardware could be computers. It could be robotics. It could be CNC machines. It could be a, a mill. It could be, you know, lots of different, you know, physical tools or processes um, or, you know, electronic tools uh, and processes. And then I have, you know, then there's software, you know, software used as a service, you know, your CRM, your customer relationship management software, uh, enterprise software that runs your business, uh, lots of other, you know, software used in a company from email to project software um, to these types of software technology to communicate like this with Zoom or with, not with Zoom, but with, uh, you know, virtual. Um, so there's a lot of layers of technology of different type. And then I also use the, the term wetware. And for me, wetware is the intelligence, the talent that you have in your organization. Uh, that is part of your technology. That's what leverages the technology. So you have to really focus on your talent and your people when it comes to the interface between them and your other hardware and software. Um, and also, I also consider that like if you outsource, you know, web development or you outsource marketing or you outsource accounting, you know, I consider that a sort, a sort of wetware. And a lot of times companies don't really investigate all of these components in a deep way. So let's take hardware, for example. Lots of companies, you know, they'll inventory their hardware because it's an asset, maybe it's a tax related you know, audit, but they don't actually audit the hardware to determine how well is it functioning for me? How well are we using it? How important is it to my business? You know, I've had situations, all different types with hardware. I've had computers that someone was working on and they would push a button and it would take eight seconds for the computer to resolve the command. And so for eight seconds, the person is sitting there not doing anything, waiting on it. And every task they did, it took this amount of time. And it was just because it was an old desktop and there were several people using them and they needed a $20 RAM chip. Now this person was losing hours of productivity every week because no one took the time to install a $20 chip in the computer, which took about 10 minutes to do and cost, I think, $23 when we bought it. And then all of a sudden that productivity went up immediately, you know, um, for that individual and their frustration level went down. That's the other thing. You know, we talk about the love hate relationship with technology. You know, when technology works well, it is like magic and we love it. Um, and when it doesn't, it's very frustrating. And it's very frustrating for employees also to be working with technology that's not seamless and smooth and, and you know, works well. Um, so there's hardware issues. I, you know, phone systems, you know, phone systems that have extensions that go nowhere. I had a company that had one 800 numbers. They were paying for eight of them for years. Five of them had never even been published of the three that were published. Two of them went to dead phone extensions and were never used. So when you're looking at the hardware, it has to be more in depth than just, you know, the fact that you have it and you have the serial number, you know, it's literally, you know, what condition is it in? You know, what, what am I cost? What did it cost me? What am I paying to maintain it? What kind of you know, power does it have? Is it working well, not well? Um, and then software, we do the same thing. A lot of times when I do an audit, we'll almost pay for the engagement just by finding things that the company is paying for that they're not using. Software that they've had a subscription, subscription to that renews for years or licensing every year, or they bought a software for one department and that department stopped using it. No one told them, so they've still been paying for it. Um, you know, that kind of an, an audit where you really go in depth on everything that's being used and being paid for. And that's kind of an initial, you know, look at the technology, but that's the low hanging fruit. The real power in working on the technology is where are we not fully leveraging the technology with our workflows and where can we fix that? 
And where can we optimize and really power up the use of the technology in a way that provides exponential value? Um, you know, some simple things, you know, that'll just generate another 30% of, you know, efficiency or performance, you know, uh, per employee or, you know, um, interfaces with different technologies that don't work well that you can fix. So there's, there's kind of a lot of approaches to the hardware and the software. And then again, your talent, your people are everything. If you're not really training them to the level where they're really driving the performance of your technology, maybe not every technology, but at least the, the biggest drivers of your business. You know, if you if you narrow it down to three to five technologies that are what really drive your, your business model um, and you get people really well trained on those, that in and of itself is going to double your returns on it. Right. Right, Ross. You have been into the you know, military services of the United States Air Force. You've been <laughs> yeah. a CEO, CEO, CFO, worked with over 200 startups, dozens of Fortune 500 enterprises. You know the mind of a CXO. You are a CEO yourself. What do your clients, your CEOs, and all these people, what do they generally come to you for? Speed. They... <laughs> Sorry. You know, that's what they want, speed. You know, entrepreneurs, they want to move fast. They want everything to go fast and quick and efficient. Um, and, you know, sometimes when they feel they're not getting it, that's that's what, what that's what triggers them to, to really start questioning what's happening with the technology. Um, and so, you know, again, we'll you know, do an assessment to figure out where things are currently with their company and their technology uh, and then step into doing the audit and find out what kind of low hanging, simple solutions we can do for some things. And then look at the deep drivers of the business and work on those. And there's, you know, again, I've written some very simple principles for how to think about these and look at these things. Um, so that anyone, you know, can kind of do it themselves, hopefully, you know, some of it they can do themselves. Um, and if it's, you know, too much, then, you know, there's a do it with you kind of way of doing, you know, doing it where you can get a coach or get someone to help you with, you know, the, the process. Um, and then, you know, if you really want to go deep and have somebody do all of the work, you know, it's a whole different level of engagement, but <laughs> right. you know, most of it's common. I like to say it's common sense. It's just not common practice. In other words, most of what I write about is just a systematic way of thinking about the technology that is common sense. It's just people and companies don't do it. Or they might do a little bit of one thing or a little bit of another, but not all of it, you know, together in a, in a uniform system um, that maximizes the technology performance. Okay. Okay. So you said mostly people come for speed. Is technology about speed? Is it about uh, efficiency? Is it about better service delivery? Is it about business optimization? How, how do you put all those things together? Because is this what is leading to this love-hate relationship? I'm talking about the business aspect. I'm not talking about the general public. Why do then they hate technology if technology brings them so much? Why is there a reason to hate technology within the business community? How, how does it work and what is your technology momentum methodology that is so powerful? Yeah, so I think that the, the love-hate comes from, like I said, the fact that most companies, the CEO will start to feel that they're not getting the returns. Like let's say they invested in a new CRM, but their sales don't improve, you know, their, their close ratios don't improve, uh, their outreach to customers doesn't really get the results that they want. Uh, maybe they've invested in technology to do marketing and they're not getting the results they want there. So usually it's, it's a lack of, of a results that a CEO is looking for. 
um, or poor performance in general. And then that makes them start double thinking, you know, what are we doing? Why is this not working? And again, they just haven't had the right language to be able to explain to somebody what they were feeling and what it was, you know, what they were looking at. Um, and so, you know, we just try to put together a way to talk about it so that it's easier to communicate to your, your team what the problem is. And I've built some tools as well, and I'm happy to share those uh, with your audience, um, you know, where you can just kind of go through the process and use these tools to identify where the challenges are and then resolve those challenges. And technology does all of what you just said, right? Technology is about, it, it, mostly that I say, I jokingly say that CEOs want speed, but of course they want efficiency. They want to have one person who can do the work of five people because they have cool technology, right? And I'm not saying you have to buy new technology. A lot of times what you have is good enough. 80% of the time we can work with the technology that you have and make it a lot better, you know, and get your performance up without having to spend a whole lot more money. In fact, sometimes you'll save money because you can eliminate, you know, redundant software, redundant, you know, operational things um, and kind of really focus on what are the real drivers of your company. Um, so the efficiency is definitely a part of it. And, and it's almost married with process improvement. You can't really work with technology without understanding a little bit about process improvement and using the technology in the right place. Um, I, I really kind of learned that lesson early in my career. I was at a company that was, uh, it was a turnaround. They were losing money and we were trying to turn it around. And they had a product line that was producing five finished units with 120 labor hours. And after we kind of looked at the process and the technology they were using, and we rearranged how they were using the technology and where they were leveraging the technology, over time, we ended up getting that process to where it was producing 22 units with only 40 labor hours. So it was a 12-fold improvement in productivity and quality, and we didn't spend a whole lot more money. We literally just spent time and energy remapping the workflows and re, re, you know, positioning the technology and how it worked in the flow of things. Um, and that was just my first learning lesson. And over time, it's just you know, been more and more. The tools have changed. The technology has definitely changed over my career, uh, but the, the, the principles haven't. You know, it really is about having a strategic mindset about your technology, really, you know, um, talking about it on a regular basis, working on it on a regular basis, leveraging it as much as you can, and then really training your people, rewarding people for, you know, being good on the technology, you know, recognize people that are very tech savvy in your company, hire for tech savvy people, you know, talent today, employees today, they want to go to a place and work at a company where they know they're going to be working with cool technology and the, and the company appreciates the value of technology because they know it makes their job easier. They know that they can perform better and provide more you know, value to the company and have less frustration if they have a really good system of technology and processes to work with. So it's also you know, an advantage in terms of hiring and keeping your employees and keeping employees engaged. Right. Right, Ross. Let's look at this way. Then there must be companies who are achieving beyond 40%. And oh, yeah. they are good companies. Yeah. What how who what are they is what is the way they are utilizing technology that is giving them results much, much better than beyond 40%? How how are they doing it? What can businesses learn from them? Yeah. Let's forget about the 40% mark, okay. average, so, average, average achievers. Let's yeah. talk about the good people who are building great companies. How do they? So the best companies basically get about 10 things right. So the first three, the first three things have to do with how they think about technology, right? We just talked about how do you think strategically about your technology? So, you know, the first three are, 
you know, number one, are they really leveraging their technology across their entire business unit? You know, I've seen companies where they had technology in one part of their company, but not in another, or one part of the company was using it really well and another part wasn't. But for a company that's being successful, it's clear that they're leveraging the technology across their entire company and they're enforcing, you know, uh, the use of the technology. And they're thinking about when are we going to need to replace this? When do we need to work on our technology stack? It's part of their annual planning. It's part of their quarterly initiatives to be talking about what technologies are working and what aren't. What changes do we need to make in the technology over the coming year or the coming quarter? And also, they have their eye to the horizon. Like you just mentioned, you know, you know, augmented reality and hybrid and, you know, all of those things. And, you know, so sometimes you have to keep your eye to the horizon. What's coming up in technology? What are my competitors using? What is somebody using in an industry over here that, that you know, a lot of times disruption comes from outside of your current industry? So you kind of have to keep an eye on technology in other industries to see what's out there that I might be able to leverage in mine or that's going to come into my industry. And if I'm not aware of it, it's going to catch me, you know? So that's kind of the first part. The second part is sometimes companies will buy a technology and not understand how well it's going to work with the other technology they already have. And then they spend a whole lot of time with, you know, errors and problems and issues, or they have to go buy another software to interface the two things that they just, you know, tried to marry together. Um, And they just have integration problems with hardware and software that conflict um, or things that have a really high learning curve and they just can't implement well. Or, Again, what the best companies do, well, they'll make sure, you know, they really evaluate the technologies they're going to put together and they know how they're going to marry together and work together before they do it. In addition, what they're going to do is they're going to rework their workflows. Like a lot of times companies will just layer technology onto an existing process instead of really looking at the technology's capability and remapping the entire process. Even though it's a little bit disruptive at the beginning, you know, spending that time at the beginning will return you, you know, 10 times the amount of savings later if you rework that process in order to really maximize the use of that technology's power. And then the last part is data. You know, the next part of that is, um, you know, data usage, right? So lots of companies will collect some data, but most of them don't collect data on not only the performance of the technology or, or not just the outputs of the technology, but also the performance. So the best companies will measure the outputs, but they'll also measure the performance of the system and constantly use that data to make better decisions about how to modify the system, how to modify the performance of the technology, um, and have really good security around that data. Um, security problems are one of the number one costs and high risks to, to companies uh, is not securing their data and their information. And then the third part of that is the, the last three is one we mentioned training your people. You need to have people that, at least for the major technologies, they need to be power users, at least a couple in your business, because you want to have somebody who really understands the technology well and understands your business well, so that as a company, you can make the best decisions about how to leverage it. If you don't have people that understand your business or you don't have people that really understand the technology, there's no way you can make optimal decisions about how to leverage it best, right? And then secondly, when you do have technologies, and you do train people, you have to have rules of enforcement that you follow. For example, let's say I have email, a chat function, and a project software. Well, if I'm doing things in all three of those that are redundant, like sometimes I communicate in email, sometimes in chat, sometimes in you know um, a project software, communications get lost, things get missed, things pile up. You know, I use the example, I've gone to companies and asked for a document and I'll watch somebody spend 10 minutes trying to find it. 
because they don't know whether it was emailed to them, sent to them in Slack, attached in a project software, if it's on the intranet somewhere, you know, or it's in some other storage, cloud storage, whatever. And then they'll find it and they'll kind of be happy with themselves. And I'll say, is that the latest document? And their face will kind of twist and, you know, because they don't know because the company doesn't have rules for how do we name documents? Where do we store them? How do we know that we mark it so that we know it's the latest one? How do we prevent it being stored on someone's computer somewhere and them using an old version, right? So centralize, you know, the storage of a document, name it properly, you know, uh, uh, tag it, date it, only send out the link instead of the whole document. So that's, that always goes back to the most current uh, version, you know, practices like that. And then enforcing those rules so that people follow them. And a lot of companies will teach someone how to use something and then they'll just let them do whatever they want with it. And they're not as you know strict about enforcing the rules. And then the last part is those companies that do it well have those protocols in place. And then again, they go back to what I said about people. Their culture is about tech savviness. Their culture is about leveraging technology, the power of technology, the love of technology. They talk about it. They reward people for being good practitioners of using the technology. They recognize people for their use with the technology. It's part of their hiring practices. You know, we ask about, you know, what is their technology skill level? What is what do they like about technology? What have they worked with before? Um, you know, we, we like to interview and, and find out beforehand if we're getting someone into the culture that's going to be the type of person that's going to be disciplined about the use of technology. So those are kind of some of the things that the companies that do it right do in order to make sure they're optimizing across their entire organization, their strategic approach to technology, their tactical approach, and then their cultural approach to technology. And getting those three things right makes all the difference in the world. Right, right, Ross. Now let's look at uh, technology from another angle, mostly from the customer angle. You know, there was this movie called The Lord of the Rings. And there Mm -hmm. was this statement called, one ring to rule them all. When we talk of love, sometimes love turns into obsession and it is not good. It is bad. That's right. A lot of people today, businesses, creators of technology seem to be obsessed with the word technology. And that is where the one ring to rule them all. They want to use technology to control people's mind, people's habits, people's lives, people's privacy, and they have no option, you have bots. When they call, you have bots. They get calls, it's SMS, nobody can trace them. There are robots which are calling them. They pick up the call, they have not even another human to tell them, listen, please understand. Definitely. From toxifying our environment, we we have led to toxicities, in the minds of a lot of people and a lot of thing has to do with technology. How do you look at this thing which I make, if you ask, I look at it as obsession with technology as a one ring to rule the, rule the minds of all so that you can tweak, twist and control with technology and do with it whatever you want to. How do you look at it from the customer side who has very little to uh, to defend themselves. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm probably one of those customers you're talking about because, you know, I know that a lot of companies will use technology to offload 
their work and their process to the customer, you know, automated voice things where you've got to push buttons and, you know, talk into the phone and you, you can never call the company and get a human. Um, so I'm not a, I'm not a proponent of that. Um, there are certain things that you can use for technology to reach out to your customer or whatever. But, you know, I definitely believe in the old fashioned human conversation. You know, you and I having a conversation and talking with each other. People don't buy from machines. They buy from people. You know, they, they have to trust you. They have to have a certain level of belief in your credibility. And you can't always build that with technology. Now, you can build a little bit of that appearance by doing it well. You know, making sure that any interaction the customer does have with your technology is is fluid and seamless. But you really do have to think through that customer journey from the minute they they, they land on anything that you've done or your, your website or an ad or whatever. Um, there's always got to be kind of a human touch to it and uh, a human opportunity. Uh, in fact, I just recently worked with a company and it's in an industry where they use a lot of automation. And what we did was we made it our mandate that we wanted to have um, relentless personal service. Meaning when a, when a customer called and needed help with something or when a customer was walking the, you know, the, the potential buy side of something, we always had a human hand holding them through the process and making sure that they, they understood everything and were comfortable and so forth. Uh, almost kind of like a white glove service. Um, and it just made all the difference in the world for that company because, you know, other companies weren't doing that. Now, did we use technology? Absolutely. Did they use social media? Absolutely but they knew when to separate from the technology and put the human in place. And that's another thing about the, the power of technology is, you know, technology should be used to offload the tasks that are frustrating for employees, frustrating for customers, you know, all of those things should, you know, we should use technology to kind of offload that work. Right. But the things that, you know, are, are really enjoyable about working with another company or a business that you like or a product that you like, it has a lot to do with the people. You know, a lot to do with the human touch. So you have to make sure you put that in there and you don't, you know, overshadow that with just all technology. Right. Right, Ross. You have you have put it well. Be that as it may, tell us about your books. Tell us how <laughs> businesses can reach you. And the people who are not able to optimize technology, they may be able to, you know, reach. And, and even some people who are obsessed with technology in not the right manner, maybe... You can tell them, teach them a bit about the romance technology. <laughs> yeah. So the, the first publication I have coming out this in March is uh, I'm, I did a chapter in uh, Jim Britt's book, uh, book series called Cracking the Rich Code. And in there, I wrote a chapter and I call it a CEO's guide to technology. Maximize the speed, leverage and predictability for your business. And in there, I tried to give a synopsis of my approach with all of the key bullet points that you need to understand in order to really look at your technology and see what it's doing well and what it's not doing well. And, and at the bottom of that, there's a, there's my email and there's a way to reach me. Um, but I can give you that link here too. And, uh, yes. you know, with, in, in conjunction with the chapter, I have some tools, obviously I couldn't fit those all in that short segment of the book that I was in, but you can email me and I'll send you the tools. So you can just literally take that chapter and walk yourself through it and through the tools and be able to kind of look at your technology and work on it. Do it yourself, right? Do as much as you can on your own. I think it's fairly you know, straightforward. Again, it's common sense, but not common practice. Um, and then I have another full book coming out in June called Technology Momentum, Systematically Accelerate Your Business 10X. In that case, what I do is I take this little short version that you're going to see in the first book, and I do an entire book is all based on my approach to technology, where it goes into more detail, a lot more examples, um, a lot more uh, explanation of the tools um, and the process to where, you know, a CEO can read that, understand the language of their technology 
and then be able to hand that off to you know an ops person or a second in command and have them go fix those challenges and take action on correcting all of it for their company. And if you're starting out and building an organization, again, it's kind of a, a blueprint for how to build your company using technology as a very, very, very strong foundation um, to, to kind of accelerate the results that you're going to get. Uh, and those are the two things coming out. And I can, you know, if you email me, I can put you on a, a wait list or notify you when you come out or, or when it comes out. Um, or you can just look for it in, at Amazon here shortly. Wonderful. Wonderful. My last question to you, Ross, is that you have uh, seen so much of things from the U.S. Air Force to being a CEO, C COO, CFO. And now you are helping out a lot of people. You have fallen in love with technology. <laughs> How? What is it that you actually want to are seeking out? What is it that you seek for yourself? Because all, you have already achieved for yourself. And I'm sure you are not just doing it for money. No. So there's a couple things. One, early in my career, hopefully this is going to be a short story, but early in my career, at one of the turnarounds I was at, the, the, we were one division and the entire plant hated the organization hated the people in my division because they were losing money and the company had profit sharing. So all that money that was being lost was coming out of profit sharing. So everyone in the bigger organization treated my team very poorly. I came in to turn this division around, except for one guy. One guy was always very respectful, very kind, always very helpful, very you know positive and upbeat. And one day he wasn't there. And I was very shocked. I was like, you know, wait, where's, where's this guy at? He's not here. And he said, oh, you didn't hear it this morning. He got laid off. And so I went down to human resource and I called him at home and I said, hey, Daryl, I heard you got laid off today. Do you have a backup plan? And he said, no, I don't. And I said, well, how about you come work for me? And he says, well, I don't know. What would I be doing? And I said, I don't know. I don't have an opening. But what I do know is I'm not going to let a good person get away. And so he comes in Monday. I said, come in Monday morning. We'll figure it out. So he came in Monday and a couple of weeks later, we were sitting in the break room and he said, uh, hey, Ross, you know what I was about to do when you called me that day? And I says, no, how would I know what you're about to do? We didn't have cell phones back then. <laughs> and uh, he says, I was about to sit down with my wife and kids and tell them I lost my job. And it was at that moment that I really connected the value of business and entrepreneurs is to help other people create value that they can then trade for the things that they really want to take care of. They might love your business. They might love you. you may think of you as a family. But the reality is they're trading their time and energy with your company in order to create value that they can then take care of the things that are really important to them, their family, their house, their lifestyle, whatever, right? And so my career has really been centered on the idea of building as many opportunities for people to be employed and to build as many solutions for customers. You know, and the more that I can do of that, which is, again, exactly why I'm kind of writing the material that I'm writing and getting it out there and doing these podcasts is I want companies to be able to solve this problem for themselves so that they can be successful. Not only do the entrepreneurs who built the company get rewarded with better returns, greater return on investment, uh, but they're going to provide more working opportunities for people to provide value for what they care about. Right. And they're going to solve more problems for customers. So it's that kind of impact that I can drive uh, by just sharing this as broadly as possible. I'm just listening and thinking about the guy, you, you know, and all I can say is that may your romance for technology <laughs> make businesses truly fall in love with the technology and actually achieve the purpose for it. 
and you know and not only businesses but actually businesses keep employees happy everybody happy so that you know there is love in the air today tomorrow and forever and people like you will only be able to do that on Thank this you. note sounds like a great this, vision <laughs> on this note it's a wrap on this very special edition of the kj masterclass live thank you so much indeed for joining us thank you all